This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Welcome to the Be Here Now guest podcast. This series features a collection of teachings and conversations centered around mindfulness, spiritual growth, and living a life in balance. Each week, our diverse network of guest teachers and hosts offer up wisdom and practices from a different spiritual path and perspective. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash donate. Stories for a Living Future The Sufi path, like the core teachings of Ramdas, brings together love and service. Watching the breath, on the in-breath we return to the love that is the source of all that exists. On the out-breath, we bring this love into our life, into our community, and to those in need. And especially at this time, into our relationship with the earth, the beautiful being who gives us life with our endless generosity, and in return our civilization kills her species, poisons her rivers and air, pollutes her land. On the Sufi path, the heart draws us towards union, the oneness of divine love, and once the traveler experiences union with the beloved, she then reaches the station of servanthood, where the Sufi aspires to be God's servant here in this world in service to the Beloved and all of creation. This combination of the inner love affair of the heart with acts of service is one of the unfolding mysteries of the path. I am a great believer in Mother Teresa's words, small things with great love, whether it is helping a sick neighbor or friend, or even the simple act of cooking with love. I will always remember the first meal I had cooked by my teacher, Indian fritters with chutney, I knew about cooking with awareness, but I never believed that one could taste love. But there is also the primal question of how do we respond spiritually to the unfolding polycrisis of the present time, our environmental death spiral, combined with the cries of social, racial, and earth justice. How do we bring our hearts and hands into the service of the earth and humanity in this time of existential crisis? I began exploring this question in 2003 with a gathering spiritual responsibility at a time of global crisis, which I hosted together with the Sufi teacher Piazia Iniat Khan and the Buddhist teacher Sharon Salzberg. At the time, I was exploring the need to awaken to an awareness of oneness, what the Sufis call the unity of being, how we are all a part of one interconnected living being. 
what Titnach Khan calls interbeing, and how we need to return to this primal awareness if we are to journey together with the living earth, whose very nature is a wondrous expression of unity and diversity, from the many-colored flowers and the insects that pollinate them, to the fungal networks that deliver nutrients to trees under the forest floor. Over the years, as our environmental crisis grew and became more urgent, this focus on oneness evolved into spiritual ecology, the need to make a spiritual response to our present environmental crisis. In particular, how we need to return our awareness to the living earth, what I have called a deep ecology of consciousness. And part of this awareness is an understanding that we are part of a multidimensional universe, a fully animate earth that can speak to us in many different voices, as well as in dreams and visions, as it spoke to our ancestors. Part of the tragedy of our present time, sadly only too evident in most environmental discussions, is that no one either asks or listens to the earth. We have broken the great conversation, and as Thomas Berry said, are only talking to ourselves. Unless we return our awareness to the earth, relearn how to listen with the heart and soul as well as the senses, we will remain stranded in the increasing wasteland created by our patterns of exploitation and greed, by our separation from the earth. While most previous cultures and indigenous peoples were in constant communion with the earth and her inhabitants, receptive to her wisdom, we appear to have forgotten, lost or rejected the primary awareness of her sacred nature. The majority of approaches to solve our climate and biodiversity crisis are just another form of commodification, as if we cannot imagine any other form of response. In order to explore these questions, find a pathway to the future for us to live in harmony and respect with the more-than-human world to which we belong, I made this recent podcast series, Stories for a Living Future. Some of these podcasts I have already shared with the Be Here Now network, especially those which resonate with Ramdas's teachings and the essence of mindfulness. In the first series, I focused on the need to embrace a deep ecology of consciousness, which includes an awareness of the magical nature of creation, which is necessary if the future is to become fully alive. The second series reflects on the changes happening in our world, not just the environmental, political, or economic changes, but the deeper, primal changes that will shape the coming decades and even centuries. Changes that belong to the end of one era and the birthing of a new era, a new civilization forming amidst the ruins of our present time. I was first made aware of these shifting patterns over 30 years ago when I was taken into the archetypal world that underlies creation and the numinous beings there taught me their secrets and wisdom from the archetypal feminine who is so blinded by her tears from her abuse by the patriarchy that it is hard for her to share her wisdom. To a child with stars in its eyes who came to greet me, pointing to a new story for humanity and the future. As I have mentioned, I do not expect many to follow this path, as it is too far from our rational mind, belonging to a deeper consciousness censored long ago. It is far from a world of AI and computer consciousness determined by ones and zeros belonging to a time of earth magic and deep listening. But I am grateful to be able to tell these stories that come from my heart and the depths of my soul. 
from the places where I have heard the cry of the earth and the deep wisdom of her soul. I am fortunate to live in nature, amidst the trees and wetlands beside the ocean, and on my morning walk may see the family of river otters tumbling on the sand, or greet a coyote on the path, the coyote whose spirit is the creator god of the coastal Miwok people who walked this land for thousands of years before us. I can feel the earth dying and waiting to be reborn, and how there is an opening for us to be part of this transformation, a doorway between the worlds full of magic and possibilities. In this podcast, I would like to share two stories. The first piece, Watching from the Edge of the World, introduces the series, describing the need to become aware of the deeper forces and patterns that determine our lives more than we presently understand. At the edge of the world, one can see not only storms building far out to sea, but also forces forming across continents. If we are to walk through these transitioning times of radical uncertainty, we need an awareness of these patterns, which often develop deep in the inner worlds and affect so much of our shared destiny. In the second piece, Earth Changes, in order to understand more fully the changes taking place, I try to let the Earth and my heart speak to me, tell me their story, how the threads of creation are being rewoven into a new pattern. What does it mean that a doorway between the worlds is opening? How can those whose hearts are open become a part of a prayer that speaks to the Earth, that welcomes what is being born within her? The complete podcast Series 1 and Series 2, and the forthcoming final series, Stories of the Heart, can be found at workingwithoneness.org. I am grateful to be able to share some of these stories with the Be Here Now Network. 1. Watching at the Edge of the World At the edge of the world the water is cold and the riptides are strong. Wild geese fly far overhead while a flock of pelicans skim the waves. Just as there are currents far out to sea, so are there also currents over the land, storms that build. There used to be a time when there were people whose practice it was to watch these currents. Not just sailors seeing the wind fill their sails, but individuals in deep meditation, able to see the currents across continents, how the forces flow, how the patterns change over time. But people are no longer trained in this work, no longer able to watch and bear witness, to see how the forces constellate, what is far over the horizon and what is near to the land. Our governments make decisions according to computer projections and plans for sustained economic growth. But life is not like this. It is darker and more demanding, as well as full of springs of joy and hope. Shamans in their trances could see where the circle was broken and how to repair the tears we make to the fabric of life. They could see events begin to constellate like storms building before they manifested. But now we walk blindly through life, knowing instant news cycles but without real awareness. We may be able to forecast the weather but have little understanding of the forces within life itself. At the edge of the world, it is easier to see the threads being woven into the world, the light and the dark and the different colors. One can follow these threads down into the fabric of life, how we walk in the outer world, and how our feet can also touch the inner. There are openings between the worlds where many different threads come together. 
places of power and potential. Sometimes these places stay in one place for centuries and are visible as a cosmic mountain where heaven and earth meet, or stone circles, temples, or oracles. Sometimes they move following ancient songlines. They cannot be mapped on GPS, but through dreams and intuition, a deep knowing of what is sacred. And although each moment is complete in itself, there are also moments in time that have a greater meaning, significance. In Shakespeare's words, there is a tide in the affairs of men. We know in our own lives how certain times have a greater potency than others, often accompanied by synchronicities and unexpected opportunities or unforeseen difficulties. The same is true for the collective, the affairs of men. Watching how forces and events constellate, we watch these tides, how they flow, how such moments require a greater attention or a deeper intensity of prayer. Time is not just linear as our contemporary culture would have us believe, but has patterns, cycles, seasons. Our awareness of these patterns leads to a greater understanding of what is happening in our own life and in the world around us. It can help determine the way the future is written. We are present at a time when many different forces are coming together, some visible and some hidden. We can see their effect in recent events the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, the accelerating collapse of biodiversity, the strange, crazy dance of extremists and deniers. But we need to trace these events back to their source. Not just where did the virus originate, what caused the war, but the forces that triggered these events, what they portend, what pattern is being enacted, and if possible can we balance these forces, not just with a vaccine or a new weapon but with the deeper awareness that comes from watching the currents, the waves that build far out to sea. Why is the fabric of our society being stretched, almost broken? Why are there places where no birds sing? What stories should be believed, and what are born from unlived dreams that rise to the surface and then dissolve again? Sometimes I wonder about our culture, that knows so much and has so little knowledge that can see with a microscope but not with the heart, that has many statistics but so little understanding. Life was always a dance between the inner and outer worlds, known in our dreams and our senses. But now we walk in a world that sees only what is tangible, even as it is caught in endless fantasies and conspiracy theories, and a terrible war born from the myth of a lost empire. Last year, when the war in Ukraine came, I knew that it was more than just missiles and tragedy and tears. When I awoke in the night as the first shells fell, I knew that that was the end of our way of life as we know it. Even here, in our small community beside the ocean, half a world away, where the only danger is meeting a deer on the road, like the two fawns separated from their mother I stopped for this morning. Watching the darkness build for months, this war was inevitable, even as it is catastrophic, and no one knows how it will end. Once again, the thread of collective violence is being woven into our lives, but this time its shadow, its growing darkness, spreads across the world. It has threatened famine to millions, unprecedented energy increases in Europe, rationing in a freezing winter. And what does it mean when half our world denies what is happening, with the news of missiles hitting apartments, 
images of the bodies of civilians censored, falsehoods reported in their place. We may have become immune to the notion of fake news as the defense of autocrats, but this suppression of the truth seems to split our world into light and darkness, truth and lies, freedom and oppression. Here there is no subtlety, no gray, but a polarity of intention. This is real divisiveness, not the pantomime of culture wars. This is about real freedom, not the accusations of a loss of civil liberty that fill the social media. How many more will have to die until this present cycle ends? And what does this mean for our collective soul, for our collective future, for the mother who has lost her children, for the child who has seen her parents die? It is a tragedy written in blood. And for freedom, for truth, will its light survive the darkening? Or is truth something we've already lost amidst the conspiracy theories and lies about stolen elections? The loss told again now in human suffering. Can we find our way back? Or will this violence just leave another trail of tears, more anger to be handed down through the generations? Standing on this shoreline, watching the waves, I am trying to see over the horizon, to recognize this dark thread that has been woven into our collective destiny, woven with sorrow and hope, woven with the kindness of strangers even as the bombs fall and refugees flee. There are other threads, for example that of the deep love that runs through all things, the most direct connection between creator and creation, the love affair that is life itself. This is the energy, the power that gives birth to every cell and every star, that makes the atoms and the galaxies spin, as well as the sweet softness of a mother's touch or a skylark singing from before dawn to after dusk to attract a mate. And now there is the thread of our dawning awareness of life's primal unity and interdependent nature, how we are interbeing with all of creation, what was instinctually known to our ancestors, who saw not just the physical connections but also the one spirit, is now being returned to us in a new way, which we need if we are to journey together with the earth. Then there is a thread that tells a story of how we are at the end of an era, caught in the dying dreams and polluted landscape of a self-destructive civilization. And of course the thread that I have been describing in all these stories, that of a half-hidden pathway that can lead us to a living future. All these threads are being woven together to form life's ever-changing tapestry. The images that surround us and give us meaning and can help us to see the emerging patterns of a new way of being. I live at the edge of the world, walking the shoreline or sitting in deep meditation. I try to follow the threads of our deeper destiny, to see where the rivers run clear and what are the signs that need our attention, where our prayers are needed. The choices we make in the present time and the coming few years will determine the future for seven generations or more, maybe for centuries to come. We can see this in the possible effects of the climate crisis, with rising temperatures and heat waves beginning to affect our daily life. Will it rise 1.5 degrees centigrade, the so-called dangerous climate change guardrail, or more than 2 degrees centigrade, as some have forecast, and some scientists more ominously say is already baked in? And what would this mean for human life, and also the biosphere of which we are a part? Can we avoid a perilous, all-pervasive environmental breakdown? And will this include societal collapse? 
As I have explored over the last years, climate catastrophe is just one element of a world we have created, a civilization which has lost its connection to the sacred nature of the earth, a foundation that sustained us for millennia. This coming decade will determine whether future generations inherit an inner and outer wasteland, even if we have no present models or understanding of what this might mean. This is a moment, a decade, that will affect future generations, not just with rising temperatures, but with a quality of life that belongs to the soul. We need to walk carefully, with awareness of where we place our feet. We need to be attentive not just to the present moment, but how events are unfolding through time. What is being told in the stories of today? What is just more and more illusions or distractions? And what holds a deeper meaning requires more attention. The seabirds cry and the salt water fills the tide pools. At the edge of the world, there is much silence along with the sound of the waves. Many of the forces that tell the stories of today have been building for decades, even centuries. But there is also a break in the clouds that draws my attention to a different way of being. Is it enough just to watch these forces, follow these threads? I am not drawn much to action, preferring pure awareness. Discord increases the noise of the drama, and I prefer silence. But I hope that in telling these stories I can point to a way of seeing with the heart and the soul, to rediscovering the ancient language of the land and its dreaming. Sailors used to have to know the currents in the ocean, and shamans how the inner and outer worlds meet. There is a way to watch and listen, to see how the branch bends in the wind, how the clouds move across the sky. There is a need to know the forces constellating in our world, the subtle interplay of events. The war and the pandemic are not isolated events, and there will be no return to the way things were. There is a wisdom we need from this watching, this awareness of forces constellating, and places where life can regenerate, where joy is present and sunlight is visible through the clouds. 2. Earth changes. What is the meaning of these changes taking place deep within the earth, and how will they affect us? For a Sahel pastoralist whose herds have died and whose children are starving, or a climate refugee who has given their life savings to a Libyan people smuggler, the physical reality of the climate crisis means flight and survival. Similarly, if your house is burning or flooded, this is the reality of the landscape we are entering the chaos of the coming years. And yet there are shifts taking place to the body of the earth, changes that are not just loss of species and biodiversity, but a shift that is as fundamental as climate catastrophe. The difficulty is that we have neither the language nor images to describe such changes. We lost the language long ago, and the images belong mainly to a symbolic realm we can no longer read or understand and our collective disbelief in this symbolic world has created a fog, a shadow that has grown over the centuries, making it increasingly difficult to see. There was a time when we all lived in accordance with the ancient rhythms of the earth, the time of the seasons and the stars. Everything was seen as symbolic. Our outer life reflected the patterns of the soul, not only in ceremonies but all aspects of life, cooking and weaving, dancing and hunting. Today, we no longer know how our individual life forms part of a living whole. We no longer have a center or foundation. 
yet the ancient rhythm of creation still exists within our body and our psyche. Within every breath, even if it has been buried and almost forgotten, with all the primal changes taking place around us, it is important to remember what is unchanging, the sacred nature of creation and how the heart can sing in praise and thanksgiving, and how the tents of lovers are still present on the land, holding the threads of love that connect together this evolving mystery. This morning as I walk in the first light, the hills have an orange glow from the unrisen sun. The only sound is the egret squawking in the wetlands. The apples in the orchard beside the road are already turning red, while the sliver of a silver moon is still in the sky. This experience makes sense, simple, elemental. In these moments when the landscape is my only companion, I know that just as the rising sun and the apples in the orchard speak of seasons and cycles, so too does the earth herself. For so many lifetimes I have walked together with her, listened to her, watched the sun slip over the hills, turn orange in the sky. Her song belongs to the present moment, but speaks to both the past and the future. Today, when so many other stories swirl around us, it is hard to know what is real. Stories that underlie so much of our present culture, like the myth that more is better, or even the big lie of constant economic growth, are just fantasies. That is why it is so important that we each find a story that speaks to us, not conspiracy theories or nostalgic dreams, but a living story that reconnects us. For me, walking in the pre-dawn light, I feel connected, not just to the trees and the nearby wetlands, but also to elemental forces in the heartbeat of the earth. I am part of a world where a flower that lives for a day belongs to the same patterns as the migrations of birds, the geese flying south, and the spiral movement of galaxies. Prayer also connects me to the silence, to the heart, to the love that flows through all things. More and more I am drawn to these connections to sustain me, like roots reaching deep into the inner worlds, finding a nourishment so lacking in today's world. Maybe this is just what happens when one gets older, and distractions and desires no longer grip one's attention. Or maybe this is how it always was when all of our actions were prayers, when the worlds met and sang together. I try to let the earth and my heart speak to me, tell me its story, how the threads of creation are being rewoven into a new pattern, how a consciousness of oneness is part of this shift, enabling the unity inherent within all of life to become known in a new way. Its connections sing together, and our own interbeing become more visible. This evolving pattern will include the suffering of the coming years, but also hope and joy and love and an opening between the worlds, a reawakening of magic. And always there is the question of what part humanity will play in this transformation, this turning, and here there is no clarity. Many people are asleep, living the dreams or nightmares of the collective, the consumers of our culture. Nowadays they spend many hours each day watching their screens, often caught in the toxic thought forms we call social media. They do not even know that this is the end of an era, although their children may be suffering from eco-anxiety. It is easy to see the forces of denial and repression, the power dynamics of this dying world, those who want to continue with extraction and exploitation, who know nothing but greed and money. This is the same drive that was witnessed centuries ago by the Native Americans. 
This love of possessions is a disease with them. They claim this mother of ours, the earth, for their own and fence their neighbors away. They deface the earth with their buildings and refuse. The white man's desire for material possessions and power has blinded him to the pain he has caused Mother Earth. And yet there are also those who are not so blinded, who know that there is another way to be. They fear for the future, do not want to sleepwalk into a deepening wasteland or hothouse earth. Maybe they have heard the cry of the earth and their hearts are open to grief and love. They feel called to work for a future seven generations or more, restoring her wild beauty. How these opposing forces play out in the coming years and decades will speak to our shared journey and the way the future is written. And the earth herself, what does she know of these struggles, of these dramas? Does she only think in terms of millennia? Of all species that have existed on earth, 99.9% are already extinct. Many of them perished in five cataclysmic events. In the most recent mass extinction, 65 million years ago, 75% of species perished, while the largest mass extinction event happened around 250 million years ago, and perhaps 95% of all species went extinct. In the last 200 millennia, humanity has become an important part of her story, even if we have been here so briefly. We are a part of her awakening, but is it written that we should continue together for millennia more? I do believe that this is a pivotal moment in our shared journey, and also that the future has not yet been written, and that if we only think in terms of degrees of warming, we are continuing to see through the blinkers of science and reason, and so are missing an opportunity. Whether the temperature rises 1.5, 2, or 3 degrees Celsius will have a dramatic, even cataclysmic effect. But when human consciousness first awoke on this earth, another dimension was present. A doorway between the worlds was opened, and that also needs our attention. And this story needs to be told, even if only a few are able to hear it. Sadly, we have censored so much of this journey, just as when the early Christians ruthlessly burned the libraries and teachings of the pagan world. I have walked between the worlds for more than three decades, and have been shown how the energy structure of the earth is changing, and how we can be part of its transformation. And yet as I write these words, my heart feels the sadness of opportunities lost and doors closing. I know that without the participation of human consciousness, a certain vibration in the earth's transformation will be missing. I recognize that each of us has to find our own way to participate in this work, and the most direct path is through our love for the earth. She is a living being who needs our love, just as she needs our care and attention. And I believe in small things with great love, the simple acts of loving-kindness towards each other and the earth, that help this greatest power flow where it is needed. But I also think that we need to open our awareness to this inner dimension of earth change, return to the knowing of our ancestors, and relearn the language of the earth, both in the soil that our hands can feel and the soul that our spirit touches. We need to recognize that this is the end of an era, that our dreams of material prosperity are over. They have cost the earth too much and our children and grandchildren will have to grow old in this wreckage. But we can also begin to sense this primal shift that belongs to the seasons of the world soul, to sense a spark of a new beginning, a spring following winter, and that those whose hearts are open can become part of a prayer that speaks to the earth, 
that welcomes what is being born within her, then each of us in our small way can midwife these changes so that the spark of human consciousness can be present within them. When our consciousness first awoke thousands of years ago, a door between the worlds was opened. Another doorway is now opening, part of the mystery of the earth and the cosmos. If we can be present on this threshold, awake in our hearts and prayers, as well as our grief and tears, our journey together with the earth will hold this spark, this promise, this new beginning. We can be part of a new connection being formed from deep within the earth into the cosmos, new patterns of oneness connecting us all together. Or we can remain trying to de-escalate a climate crisis already spinning out of control without fully understanding the forces involved. We may have begun to sense that the earth is a living being some now call Gaia, but the spirit within her is still obscured, her magical nature hidden, and we can only walk together into a living future if we honor and respect these qualities, this essential part of her. She is not only rivers and mountains and trees, but a spirit that runs through all things, a spirit that is going through its own metamorphosis. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.